Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of queerphobia, racism, and, and terrorism by right-wing extremists. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them. Welcome to Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. It's December. It's Christmas season, uh, at least over here. And I've, I've, I've got my tree up. I've had my tree up for a couple of weeks now, actually. Um, and never mind all of the other little uh, tinsel all around my living room, because I am a bitch for Christmas. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm not entirely sure how connected me being queer and Christmas are there's a whole story there that like with the power of hindsight i've been thinking about recently like that's a recent realization but before i'm going off onto that story that's the story for a different time um however we are going to talk about christian today and we're going to do that with none other than zuhel um calling in from berlin hi there hello 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 <laughs> how are you today i'm fine today yeah i mean it is just um not christmasy really it's more like uh autumny here in 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 berlin with uh clouds and rain and just very the weather outside is frightful but the fire is so delightful let it snow let it snow let it snow am i right amen um, <laughs> so um introduce yourself a little bit what are your pronouns what do you do in daily life um, my name is Zuhair. My pronouns are he and him. In German, er und ihn. Um, what I do in my daily life. Who a lot. <laughs> living, surviving <laughs> and just <laughs> trying to keep it up. Um, I am a podcaster. I do uh, a podcast together with my friend Dominic that is called Barbecue, the Black Brown Queer Podcast, where we try to put non-white queer voices into the center of our discussions. Of each episode, we invite guests and we talk about different stuff, usually with a focus on racism and or queerness. Um, apart from that, I'm a trainer, I'm a consultant, and I work for um, a NGO that offers counseling for victims of right-wing, racist, and anti-Semitic violence in Germany. It feels like very special to me that an organization that specifically focuses on right-wing, racist, and anti-Semitic violence, like that those three together into one organization, that something like that exists... That feels like so special to me. How did you get involved there? Um, long story short, uh, a friend of mine, she works for one of our projects in Hessen, um, which is a county here in, in, in Germany estate. And maybe just to put Hessen in a context, Hessen is a state in Western Germany. The most famous city, I guess, is Frankfurt. And um, it has been very much in the media the last few um, years, the last two years especially, because we had 
a few right-wing terrorist attacks in, in, in Hessen especially. One on uh, a politician from the Conservative Party, Walter Lübcke, that, who was killed because he opened up a, uh, a refugee center in, uh, in Hessen. And uh, the other one is the terrorist attack on two shisha bars in Hanau. Um, that was last year on February 2020. And uh, she works for our, um, or she used to work for um, our, our organization there in Hessen. And she told me, hey, there is a job um, over there at like kind of the, the, the headquarter of all the um, uh, organizations all over Germany. And uh, they are looking for someone who has been working on these kind of issues for a long time, which I have done. <laughs> so that's why I applied. I got it. I'm happy. They are happy. Um, I'm very much involved um, in, in this work. And it's very much work that fascinates me a lot because it is something that I've been doing for a long time. Anti-racist work and anti-fascist work. But also that, of course, is not the happiest place on earth. Yeah, no, you're doing such important work. Um, however, you wouldn't call yourself an activist. Why not? Um, so there are different reasons why I don't call myself an activist anymore. First of all, I think there are so many activists nowadays. And I think the question is of what activists actually do before I answer whether I am an activist or not. I think activists, for me, if we think of movements, if we think of, of political change, if we think of social change, um, I think nowadays, maybe in the 21st century with the digitalized world, there, uh, world, there are many different ways of becoming active and of doing change. Um, I think in a world um, a few years ago where everything was very much analog, um, there were limited ways of changing. Classic things were demonstrations, of course, petitions, becoming active in a party, etc., etc. Nowadays, you can do so much more to actually do something. But for me, actually, change really still comes from really the will of changing something the active behavior of really um, you want to change something in particular. Um, and I think you will never be able to do that without um, groups. I think you will not be able to do that without um, uh, movements on the streets, without demonstrations, without protests, without maybe even uh, social violence, etc., etc., so um, that is all something that I really um, appreciate when people do that. I appreciate all the organizations such as um, Migrantifa, that is a migrant um, anti-fascist group working all over Germany that do so much important grassroots work. And I am a big supporter of them, but in the end, that's not what I do. <laughs> so just to put it simply as it is, I'm not an activist. I do work. I do political work. I have um, all the things that I do, but in the end also I get money for it. So I get paid. That's why I can't call myself an activist. It would really put all the, all the um, free 
labor that social activists really do um, would, yeah, I mean, relative. Yeah, what yeah. what I'm hearing is it's a it's a matter of intentionality. Like for example, with with barbecue, you might cause some social change just by being out there as a um, queer brown person, but that's not the reason why you do it. Exactly, and there 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 are reasons why I do it. The one 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 of them is I really want to change something, and that's what I mean. I think in a world. In the 21st century, you have so many different ways of really doing political change and you don't have to call yourself an activist to really do your little small things. Um, and I think activism is one way, but in the end, you can also do your um, social media slides and be a blogger and be an author and do have a podcast or be a YouTuber. Um, like you can do all these things that in a world maybe where activism was perceived as the one of the only forms outside of the political classic party political uh, field to 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 be active to do political change i think that has evolved in the in the, in the last years and um, I think my podcast is also one of these evolvements, right? To have um, a format that is not activism, but that still wants to ch like shape, shape, shape the future. Right. Speaking of uh, podcast formats, let's pay attention to mine here for a little bit. Here is uh, the first track of the day, uh, an artist called Varda and a track called Butwanes Beek. بتونس بيك وانت معايا بتونس بيك وبلاقي في قربك دنيايا بتونس بيك وانت معايا بتونس بيك وبلاقي في قربك دنيايا لما Am I pronouncing the artist's name correct, by the way? Um, <laughs> that is always a tricky question. I mean, yeah, I I think for English standards, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, Varda, Verde, I'm, not, I'm never entirely sure. Varda, yeah, Varda is good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, 
So, uh, the childhood memory first track of the day, Varda, a track called But When Is Beak, um, released 1992. She's an uh, Algerian-French uh, singer, and damn, I love Arabic music. Like, it's, it's it never fails to blow me away. So, if uh, you want to listen to the full 12-minute version, because obviously we're not going to play the entire thing here, you can check out the uh, Queer Sounds playlist. You can listen to all of the tracks that have ever been featured on the show uh, without having me or whoever else was on the show talk between the tracks. And um, you, it, it, it goes back for like a year. So, yeah, check that out if that's something you're interested in. But, Suhad, why did you select this track for today? It's actually one of the first songs that I remember listening to. It's one of the first songs that I remember my parents playing um, on the vinyls. It's a song that I really, really actively remember in our old flat in um, Berlin being played when it came out. Yeah, I, I think also because Warda, so Warda in Arabic means a flower and Zuhair um, also comes from the world, like from the word Zahar, which also means plant, flower. Basically, Zuhair means blossoming and, and, and Zahra means flower as well. So there is like also this name connection between <laughs> Warda and me and uh, actually, I, when I um, uh, uh, this song is something that I really, really actively can remember. And then years, years, years later, when I started to listen more to like R and B and hip hop uh, in my teenage years, that is something that I've realized a little bit later. Is that um, actually Aliyah? has a song that was inspired by what by this song by Betwanne Speak. That's so cool. Yeah, and I think um it's always so interesting because yeah, I I really love old old traditional Arabic music, especially those 12 30 minute songs that just go forever and ever and that are not they are not easy to understand. They're very special. You don't, it's not the classic like way of the four chord song, but like a very special way of like how you construct a song. And one, yeah, that is one of it. <laughs> it's a journey, am I right? It's a journey, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, is this something that you still listen to on like a, well, not maybe a daily basis, but do you still listen to this often in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, um, that song um, specifically, yes, I love that song so much. I listen to Feirouz a lot. Uh, Feirouz is also one of the classic Arabic divas that everyone knows in the Arab world. Um, so there is an um, unofficial law that you listen to Feirouz in the morning while you drink your coffee. Um, that is the way you do it. And you listen to Um Kulsum, um, who is an Egyptian classic Arabic diva singer. You listen to her uh, at night. Um, and that uh, is something that I keep up with, that tradition. <laughs> yeah, that, that's part of your daily routine. Where does this routine come from? Because I've never heard of this. This sounds very fun. Okay, um, I don't know where it comes. I mean, it's obviously not 
not not a very long tradition because uh, Um Kulsum is already dead, but Feruz is still alive. And I think it's just a way of like an emotion that 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 those two singers give to you. Feruz is more like a happy, more of a um, she gives you love, she gives you butterflies in your in your in your stomach. She's like more of the positive energy that you want to start with in the morning. And Um Kulsum is more of a melancholic. She's more drama. She's more like oh, you listen to it and. The song goes on like 45 minutes. The introduction of the song is 30 minutes and then the rest is singing. And yeah, it's just, yeah, <laughs> a little bit more chill, right? You listen to Um Kulsum at night when you want to chill, when you want to calm down, when you smoke shisha, when you smoke something else and just want to relax. <laughs> Yeah, but how how widely spread is this? Is this just a Berlin thing? Is this also something that actually happens in Egypt? If I could go down to my my neighborhood uh, Arab bakery uh, like early in the morning, will they be playing Feruz there, or how does this work? I think so. Yeah, they would probably. I mean, not everyone, of course, but like a lot of them. Yeah, when you have like your Egyptian or your Lebanese. Uh, shops, they will definitely, I promise you, listen to Feruz. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Um, when 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 I was small and when because my parents are from Syria, so when you walk around in the morning in Syria, you will listen and you will hear Feruz everywhere coming out of a window um, uh, while people drink their coffees. That is um, something you can count on. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you 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 mentioned like from from Arabic music. You also moved into like R and B and hip hop. Like, how would you describe your taste in music today? Uh, very uh, um, <laughs> wild, very wild, very much, very much of a mixture. Um, I I love so much music. I really can't. I can tell you what I don't like instead of like telling you what I like. Um, I think that's easier. <laughs> no, but I do really like a lot of um, music that is queerly maybe inspired. Um, I, of course grew up with like yeah i grew up with hip-hop i grew up with r&b i grew up with rap um one of the first obsessions i had was um 50 cent in the club um and eminem of course and uh yeah uh, the game and all these uh rappers from the west coast and um yeah but um of course that evolved and i listened also to a lot of female pop singers and um now i do still like love female pop singers i love house music i love dance hall i love hip-hop i do love um uh disco a lot um and yeah so much more. <laughs> it's really easier to tell you what I don't like. So um, you mentioned as an example, like um, female pop singers and hip hop. Like, um, do you remember an encounter with music that really blew your mind? 
like for example the first time you listen to a specific pop song the first time you listen to a specific rap song where you thought hey this is my shit i like this now yeah um i really remember listening to in the club um i really remember how i saw this music video of um 50 cent in the gym and just working out <laughs> And um, I don't know if I was into him or if it was just the music. I think really maybe both. But I was firstly just very, very much into the music. That is what I 100% can, 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 can remember. And um, I was just like, wow, this is so, so good. And um, just to maybe tell you one story also with this song, because... I was like as a queer kid I was I grew up in Saudi Arabia so I was a queer kid who was not white but who went to a German school and that does not mean that there is no racism in there um and uh, no bullying um so uh, there was that and I was not uh, one of the cool kids in that time so I remember being one of the only ones who started listening to Eminem and to 50 Cent and then I played it in 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 school and I remember how the cool kids who were older than me coming to me and were like hey you listen to 50 Cent I'm like yeah you want to hang out with us <laughs> <laughs> And that's where I became the cool kid in the in the school, um, because I hang out. I, I was hanging out with the cool ones, the older ones, who everyone loved and respected. Oh wow! So I'm just kind of amazed, like how being from like the bullied queer kid to like this cool kid that listens to hip hop, right? <laughs> um, I I feel like uh, it's time to get um, uh, the the next track going on. Um, this is a shorter one, a lot shorter, uh, well, 10 minutes shorter than track number one. Um, that's What I Want by Lil Nas X. Album Montero, album of the year, if you um, if you if you'd ask me, I've I've been saying this for at least um, three episodes in a row now. I feel like um, go listen to Montero if you haven't already. That's what I want off of that album. So this this track specifically has been co-written by someone called Omar Fedi, and it's just been a great year for him. Like he was, it was easy to make it in the music industry for him because his father was also like a famous drummer and like the, the 
the biggest drummer of Israel, he was called. Uh, but uh, his son, Omer, who now also played a part in the Lil Nas X uh, story, has worked with Kit Leroy, with Machine Gun Kelly, with 24K Golden, and then this entire Lil Nas X album. It's just been a great year for this dude. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of background information on that track specifically. Um, but why did you specifically um, select That's What I Want for this show? I love this album. I just love it. I love how diverse it is in and in, in its genres. I think it's it's one of the albums like that I was like, wow, that jumps from genre to genre and each genre like and it, each song um is so well designed and I'm like, oh wow, this is so good and each song really catches me so much. Um and I just really really enjoy it and also of course a big fan of Lil Nas X just in general of like how he presents himself in on social media and in on his videos and like how just his ways of really existing and still triggering so much in people and I just love how he is also still continuing and still being able to inspire people and like just growing more and more and I just love that I, I just love how to see to see how 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 those racist queer folk right-wing conservative people I just love to see them fail <laughs> <laughs> I just love to see that and I just love a young black queer artist winning and gaining more and more. That is so great to see. Yeah, Lil Nas X as an act of resistance. I'm 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 loving it. We love to see it. So, um, uh, getting into the meat of the episode here. So, on your own podcast, you said that race is a bigger part of your daily life than gender or sexuality. Could you, um, could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, it is something that I really struggled thinking about um, and admitting. Um, but I think it is something that I really felt when I admitted that. Um, so I was a few years ago um, hanging out with Dominic, who um, I'm doing the podcast with, and we were thinking about or asking ourselves why do we live in Berlin Wedding, which is a very migranty area in Wedding. Many, many uh, non-white people um, living there um, and very central. Why do we live in Wedding, but not, for example, in Schöneberg, which is a very um, traditionally queer area, or maybe not queer, but specifically gay. And we were talking about that, why we live in Wedding that has a very migranty history, but not so much queer, um, and, and not in Schöneberg that has a very queer or gay uh, uh, history, but, not, but very white at the same time. And we were thinking and talking, and yeah, we were just saying, well, I think our, our identity in Germany that is a racist country that is still very 
dominated by a white way of thinking is much more dominated and much more um, still very much, yeah, I don't know, it's still very dominated by its racism, basically. The racist right. part in, in, in Germany is still plays a very, very big influence in how also traumata um, in my childhood, for example, were created. And I think growing up, you identify a lot with that. I think our experiences in racism on daily lives are maybe much more brutal and also with what you see and hear of different stories of marginalized non-white people are much more things that I can and I can relate to that that also traumatize me more um, than um, maybe the queer aspect. And I'm not saying that this doesn't play a role, right? Um, because obviously gender and queerness also plays a big role. And I was already like very, very much, of course, thinking and, and, and talking about that very often. But I think, as I said, in a specifically also German society that also like had a lot of continuities in its right wing ideology, for me, it is a, a, a task to fight that very much. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is um, without it make, turning it into a contest, like Germans are just more racist than they are hostile against white, um, white gay cis people. I mean, that's how they also try to nationalize it, right? I mean, queerness becomes part of the national identity. You have the AfD, that is the fascist right-wing party here in Germany, where the speaker, where the head of the party is a white lesbian woman who speaks like with the most racist language that you can imagine. And, and, and with a rhetoric where queerness is being used to, 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 to uh, basically uh, keep away refugees from, 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 from Germany, to uh, uh, spreading hate against Muslims, to um, uh, uh, spread uh, uh, hate against Arabs. So it is very easy for a white German society to nationalize queerness in order to legitimize racism. And that is something that I cannot accept for myself, which is why um, I, 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 I would not exactly, as you said, I would not put them in the competition But I see how brutal and how violent racist rhetorics and racist politics can be against marginalized people. Yeah, and with that, it also comes like with a this this podcast feel comes with a call to solidarity, like um, both queer people and um, like non-white people are being marginalized, uh, are being discriminated against, and we need to stand together. Um, so, um, in a country which is as racist and terrible, uh, and also like Christian conservative largely, how do you deal with that type of environment as a queer Muslim person? Uh, <laughs> I accept it. I 
I accepted it, <laughs> I would say. It's like put up with it more sounds like. It's a process. Yeah, I mean, it is something that I got used to. It's, um, I guess, I don't know. I mean, um, each and every year, I still wonder how much we think Germany is a secular society. But with secularism suddenly comes so much conservatism <laughs> each and every year where white Germans and uh, uh, other people just, uh, I don't know, they just got get, get wild when Christmas comes and they just get like, oh no, we need to uh, uh, buy all these presents and go to my family who I just hate and who I don't want to hang out with. And But I have to do it. I'm like, oh, but I thought you're such a secular society where you don't have to do all these Christian things. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Christmas is so much more than uh, a Christmas, than, than, than a Christian thing. I'm like, well, I mean, obviously the name says something else, but I, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Like it's 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 literally Christ's mass. It's right? Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no, um, but but with uh, with 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 all all of that hysteria, all of that Christmas hysteria around, like, and and also like German in Germany specific, like all of these like kitschy Christmas markets where where all of these white folks come and drink their glue wine and and eat a pretzel and and and, and on TV you're you're being bombarded with it like um it and you're not a winter person in general uh, as i took it from our last conversation like how is this time for you how do you cope i i have an ambivalent relationship to it because um, as I said, I grew up in Saudi Arabia and for us, we always went in summer to Syria to visit my family there. And on Christmas, we um, went to Germany to just have a Christmas here and just to be on, in the winter here because obviously Saudi Arabia is fucking hot. And um, so, I mean, as a kid who just, yeah, grew up in a hot hot country you were craving some snow so that is something that i also like yeah remember uh, from 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 when i was younger um just the snow and um all these christmas decorations on the windows and the christmas market and then you had all these candies and that was also something that i liked um and my parents also just enjoyed it a lot they just love christmas markets so much i don't know why i don't know they just hang out and just i think it's just this the one time uh, in the year where germans show feelings <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually planning on visiting a christmas market in uh, in Düsseldorf. so if anyone's around and listens to this show drop a line say hi um but yeah, no, it's so it's uh, kitschiness is also like part of its charm, and with that, I also feel the need to point out like not all people um, from Syria, not all Muslims in Germany are a hive mind, right? Some say it's okay to to celebrate Christmas, some are a little are a, a little bit more on edge about it, and. Um, I literally came across the question like, "Is it haram to celebrate Christmas?" And like, I feel like that's just a can of a can of worms. I'm not qualified to open right now. Um, however, I do want to ask, what can 
white Germans or, you know, all over the world, white people do to be more considerate to like Muslim people around them in their general area who don't celebrate Christmas. Like I, I've made this mistake in the past where I was asking to a Muslim coworker, hey, what are you doing over the holidays? And they're like, I don't know. I'm just visiting my family in, in, in Morocco and I'm not doing anything because we don't celebrate Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, okay, of course. Like it's such an easy mistake to make for uninformed white folks. What would you advise we do instead? So no, it's not haram to celebrate Christmas because um, Christmas and uh, Christianity is of course one of the three Abrahamitic religions and celebrating um, the festives of the Abrahamitic religions is um, actually halal. So it is actually something good that you make when when uh, for 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 Muslims. So that's why. Um, uh, actually, um, we, um, as a family, we always went to celebrate also Christmas with other friends, for example, or we just said congratulations and we just um, visited and we celebrated a little bit. Um, that and that was because we got invited, actually. And I think sometimes maybe maybe Christian uh, families they think, oh, we can't invite others than family members maybe or we can't maybe invite people from 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 other religions but i think for most of the muslims it's actually really nice i think i would like to be invited to for example maybe for a dinner or for uh maybe one one night at one of these three christmas uh, uh nights for uh something uh, let it be a coffee or a duck, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I think it is um, just like uh, uh, on Ramadan, uh, many Muslims invite um, also their non-Muslim friends over to uh, iftar. So for the um, uh, fast breaking, I think it's just nice also to get invited and be invited to maybe Christmas uh, dinner. Um, I like that. I like this kind of exchange. I like this kind of like let's celebrate together and not... Um, yeah, shut ourselves uh, out and just enjoy and have a good time. Yeah, but um, with that, I also feel like it's important to mention here, I think it's relevant to mention that we're distinguishing the separate parts of Christmas, right? I mean, if we're going to talk about inviting people over for dinner or even... Um, like buying your Muslim friend a Christmas gift because who you're, because who is going to say no to a free book or something like that's that sounds perfectly fine to me however you wouldn't invite them along to church and with that I feel like we're making a split between kind of like the Coca-Cola capitalist Christmas and the Christian Christmas is that something that you also think about in that way is that what you use as a guideline or Am I, am, I, am I being too analytical about this? No, I think I understand your point. And um, I actually don't know how much, for example, also some maybe also Muslims would celebrate Christmas that much if 
it wasn't so commercialized, right? I mean, everyone knows how Santa Claus looks like, the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, from uh, here in, in Germany to, uh, I don't know, the, uh, somewhere far away where maybe Christmas is not celebrated. Everyone knows how this, this, this person looks like because it is such an iconic festive um so yeah of course the religious part is um is not the main thing anymore right i mean that is not it's becoming more of a or it is already more of a a a, a um celebration that um needs to be done because it is part of some kind of western capitalist self narrative and um i do think that like for example christmas markets also belong to that um uh, for example and uh i mean there is of course also every year this critique that um presents are like that uh, the consumption just gets fucking high every year because uh presents are being bought and so on so there is this pressure of consuming and buying and satisfying some material uh, needs <laughs> kind of with that uh, with that uh, time of the year but yeah of course the church doesn't play that role anymore right it is something else um it is something very very different now and i don't want to judge it i don't want to say if it is something good that we moved away from church to some to to the more private space where these kind of things are being celebrated or to new forms of how um christmas is being celebrated or if it's bad because it loses also kind of the unmaterial and more of the moral character um that maybe also comes with such a, a celebration that is something that maybe others need to <laughs> to deal with but yeah of course i mean i totally understand and it is really like interesting to see how um like the same santa claus that we have here you also have it in 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 afghanistan or in syria or in other parts of the world um even though that is absolutely not the santa claus that is the from the like the religious traditional Uh, perception <laughs> and um we've i feel like we've been talking about like very much on a on a like an individual level about this all but then above that there is also like the political level like um a common uh complaint when talking about christmas even though you don't do anything um during around that time because it's not your religion is like but no one forces you to celebrate qu christmas which is a bullshit excuse because there is still the government saying you know, christmas is a required day off of um off of work which from like a labor perspective like fuck yeah give the workers their day off because they deserve it however i would think it's um reasonable and to get more flexibility in choosing whenever you decide to have your bank holiday like if you want to have it over like eight instead of christmas like that people should have that freedom having said that final statements do you think christmas is inherently exclusionary <laughs> depends on what christmas um i wouldn't say yes i would say it's not 
inherently exclusionary no i can i i would say it can be very very inclusive it can be something that um like every celebration can bring people together and um create something um very nice so um no i wouldn't say um it's something exclusionary all right um at best it's a nice uh or at least it's a nice two days off of work in december um i'm hoping y'all having a great time out there i know it's a another while before it's actually christmas but you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm hoping y'all having a good time out there for now let's have a little bit of a breather ourselves um here's the best life experience of today Kalise and Andre 3000 a track called Millionaire So, Kalise and Andre 3000 um, from the year 2003, which I feel like is a great year for music. Um, I do distinctly remember um, Kalise breaking through onto the mainstream at that time because, you know, um, even as a nine-year-old child, I was already a music nerd. But, hey, um, you're the one who selected the song for today. Uh, take it away. Why, why did you... Um, select Millionaire specifically? Um, because I love this song. Um, I already loved it when it came out, but also it's the last song that I heard before the pandemic started because uh, at, in a concert because so there um, who I was uh, in Berlin in the Soho house And Kelise had a concert um, before uh, somewhere in, in Berlin. And um, she had a private little concert in Soho, um, in the Soho house. So um, she came. I was just really, really in front of her, like one meter away from her. <laughs> And... Wow. 
Yeah, and I was so excited to see Khalees. And we, I mean, yeah, she just performed um, all the new songs, but also um, all the classic ones like Millionaire. And yeah, it was um, the, such a special concert because literally she was just one meter away from me. And um, her energy was so brilliant. And it was um, also now thinking about it that um, it was the last concert before the pandemic started. Also just very special. And it sounds like uh, uh, I've never been to Soho House, so I don't know what kind of venue it is. But from the way you've been describing it, it sounds like it's been a very small and intimate setting. Is that uh, what what's what was the room like? Like paint a picture here. So Soho House is um, a private club um, chain all over the world with hotels and with clubs and with bars and restaurants and it's very uh exclusionary <laughs> talking about christmas i think that is <laughs> that is exclusionary because you can't just get in uh at so house but you need like really uh, uh yeah like a channel in in it to have uh, uh yeah to <laughs> to put your yeah you need to be able to talk your way in it's very very hard and i yeah it's 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 just a thing. And yeah, how can I explain it? It's a very rich people feeling. It very is, bougie. It's very, very bougie. Um, so we were, yeah, it was in Berlin. I think maybe the 12th floor um, with a view on the Fernsehturm, on the TV tower. And um, with a nice bar in the middle and with just very beautiful lights. And uh, with a small stage where... Kelis was in front of you. How did you get in? Yeah, I had my channel. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy. I know someone who knows someone who knows someone. No, <laughs> I just have That's my. That's how yeah. you do it, right? Yep. <laughs> um, uh, I'm entertained that you um, mention this uh, this this type of exclusive bars because I know you're also like a um, a a. a DJ for like specific Arab themed parties or like Arab music nights. How do you make sure that that is like kind of inclusive and 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 fun for everyone instead of like exclusive like 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 the Khalees event? <laughs> so I think everyone who was uh, once at a party from like our queer Arab events know how inclusive they are because so when um, we uh, were uh, doing our queer Arab party events in Berlin it was that like queer Arabs were focused and were centralized <laughs> but um, uh, it wasn't an event only for queer Arabs so um Uh, it was an event where uh, heterosexual Arabs, but also queer white people, but also heterosexual white people were able to come. Um, and yeah, I know gasp, but yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I think there are different things. I think if you if you are open for the music, if you start enjoying the music and... If you start just breathing the the energy in that room that is so special, that is just so wonderful to see, 
of people just enjoying the music and just dancing to the music and just singing to the music to all these songs that they know from their childhoods you can't feel excluded you can only enjoy that and um, it's the atmosphere and the energy that invites you in. So, um, how did the, the the queer Arab thing start? Is that also something that you were involved with in its in its in its initiation? No, I uh, yeah, I was involved in its initiation as a resident DJ and to permanently play there. Um, I wasn't, thank God, organizing it because I could not organize a. Uh, another thing did people on this show get an impression of what you might play on those nights yeah definitely <laughs> definitely because um i mean i was uh, so i was uh, starting uh my 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 dj career when i um was living in london and where i kind of realized beforehand already in germany that um there were no spaces for Especially also not only queer Arabs, but also like uh, uh, Arabs in general and in Germany, um, music and clubs was very was very uh, uh, focused on, 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 on people who grew up in, in Western countries. So there was not much of a space for non-Western music to also have the place in, 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 in clubs. And I mean, it's really... It's really funny how much people in 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 the West in Europe can talk about refugees and about how how refugees are Islamizing uh, Europe, but like not having any kind of music or any kind of um, spaces where this kind like where where Arabic music is being played. Um, so like really, I was like, oh my God, we need to 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 do our job also. <laughs> In the clubs, right, yeah, get get the representation of fun Arab parties out there, yeah. No, but um, like a different um, a reason why I asked is because you know Berlin specifically is also like known for its its nightlife, and with that also like the huge queues and in in front of the clubs, and you know combine that with the 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 racism that we just talked about. Like I can very well imagine that like. A specifically queer Arab night would actually be groundbreaking in its accessibility. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on that? Oh my God! It was so full every time. Every time we did the queer Arab party, it was just packing full. It was just really, really so many people came and so many, especially queer Arabs, of course, but also the non-queer Arab uh, community. And I, I want to mention that because like there is an image of Arabs being queer phobic, right? There is a narrative of, as I already said, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the, like the Avdevi example you mentioned before. Exactly. And I think for me, it's also important to mention the heterosexual cis Arabs as well that come to those parties um, to also shift the perspective of um, the white gaze on on Arabs um, and say there are so many Arab 
And that's a term that I only say. <laughs> There are so many Arab fag hags that love to go to those parties and who just love to um, celebrate and and have a good time with um, with with their queer friends. And so that's how it becomes so full. And I, um, I mean, the pandemic again here um, really uh, did its job of like not. <sighs> letting it exist as it used to before but i'm very sure that there are gonna be some more um some more parties in the future hopefully hopefully when everyone just gets vaccinated we'd love to see it we're looking forward to it before before we wrap up the show before we play the last track kaliucci's a track called la luz um what why did you why did you select that one as your most recent discovery what do you love about it i just love kaliucci she i went through a breakup last year and she <laughs> helped me <laughs> with her songs um by just saying you're dead to me and i was just like yeah you're dead to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just really enjoying Also songs that I don't understand because I don't speak Spanish. So that's why I just felt the music, but not always understood it, which was really nice. I mean, is a new discovery Adele? No, but I still love the new album. I love 30 so much. It is so good. <laughs> and it helps me through my uh, seasonal depression. But Caliucci's does too. And it's... um. I don't know, it's just something new. It's just something that I haven't heard in that form before. And um, especially that song is just very, very, very beautiful. <laughs> All right, let's have a listen to this. Um, this has been Queer Sounds. Thank you again for listening. If you want to reach out, you can do so through queersoundspot at gmail.com. That's our email address. Um, you can... Drop a line at Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr on all of those platforms. We're at Queer Sounds Pod. Um, if you would like to support this show financially, you can do so through patreon.com slash queersounds. You can get access there to the Queer Sounds Discord server, um, which, you know, music recommendations, memes, the works. Um, also, you will get a set of Queer Sounds stickers as you sign up. So that's fun. You can go vandalize your town, uh, like put your Christmas market full of Queer Sound stickers and get the word out. Also, like if you don't want to sign up uh, for, for Patreon, but you do want a set of stickers, you know, get in touch. We'll figure something out. Say hi. It's it's all in good fun. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, yeah, if you don't want to support the show financially because it's been a rough year for all of us and it's been a rough time on, because Christmas and December uh, are expensive enough, I can totally understand. Just tell a friend, like, during your Christmas dinner, during whatever dinner you're having on the 25th of December, Christmas or nah, just see like, hey, I've been listening to this cool podcast recently. It's got music in it and it's got fun guests in it. Um, the host I can, I can I can I can take or leave but anyway thank you again for listening uh, I'm sorry if I'm feeling rambly it just be like that sometimes last track of the day Kaliuchi's La Luz yo sé como esto va a acabar baby eso no hay que pensarlo dime cuánto te va a tomar así yo me voy preparando y yo pensando en ti solamente
pensando en mí de repente yeah. Dime lo que estamos haciendo Si, de ti me preguntaron y 